At the end of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus offers us one of the most vivid pictures of the difference between life inside the kingdom of God and life outside the kingdom of God. And if you've been around church for any length of time, I'm sure you have heard this teaching of Jesus because he speaks of two men, one wise and one foolish. And the distinction between them, whether you're wise or foolish, like the wise man or the foolish man, has everything to do with what you do with the teaching of Jesus. In verses 24 and 25 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and builds their life upon them is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. So that when the rain falls, the floods come, the winds blow, and they beat upon your house, it does not fall because it is founded upon the rock. But then in verses 26 and 27, he says, those of you who do not accept these teachings of mine, those of you who decide to build your house on a different foundation, you would be a foolish man, like one who builds his house upon the sand. Because when the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, because the foundation was not solid, the house fell, and great was the following. As Jesus finishes this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus finishes unveiling his teaching about the kingdom for his disciples, he challenges them to build their lives upon what he has said, to build their lives upon the rock of Christ, the truth of the gospel. And that same challenge exists for us today as the people of God. And this this morning, as we... Look earlier into the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of 6 and beginning of 7, our passage is going to help us discern how we are doing as the people of God in the quest to build our lives upon the rock. How are we doing in making sure that our foundation in the gospel is solid? And the way that we're going to test our foundation is to allow Jesus to expose a common characteristic in the life of those who have foundation issues. Anxiety. An overwhelming sense of worry. Jesus says, if you are anxious, if you are overwhelmed with worry, it's possible that you have not been building your life upon the wrong foundation and your house may be in danger of being blown over. Have you ever been to a house that has foundation issues? When Jordan and I first moved to Irving, Texas, we were looking for a home to buy, and we were told we had to be very careful where we bought because there are places in Irving that had soil issues. There was this red clay, and it wasn't really good for building houses, especially with a concrete foundation. But that didn't, they didn't know that until they had built several houses, And over the course of the years, the the issue of this clay, the issue of this soil had shown up in a lot of the houses. And so we would go and look at houses that looked really great on realtor.com. The flyers that your realtor gave you, they were impressive. The curb appeal, wonderful. But when you got closer to the house, you could tell there were issues. There are two that stand out in my mind in particular. One of them we loved. We thought maybe this is our house. This is the one that we can buy. And as we walked closer to the house we noticed that the brick on the outside of the house was buckling 
and pulling away from the house. There were holes where bricks should be. Another one we went into, as soon as you walked in the door, you could see the floor was slanted. In fact, Jordan said, I don't think I can stand in this house. I'm getting dizzy because I'm looking at the slant of the house. You could put a ball at the back of the house and watch it roll to the front door without touching it. Needless to say, we did not buy either of those houses. Even though they said they had fixed the foundation issue, there were clearly issues with this house that didn't make it a viable option for us to buy. Jesus says, anxiety, anxiety is evidence of a foundation issue. Anxiety is dwelling on the wrong thing. It's, it's the direct opposite of worship, which is the, the kind of life that we are called to live. And if we are anxious, when the realities of this broken world bear upon our life, and they will, it will be hard for your house to stand. So Jesus today is calling us to dwell on the right things, to set our minds on heavenly things, to dwell on him. So that we can be a people defined not by worry, not by fear, but by peace. Here's the major question we wanna wrestle with this morning as a church. Are we anxious? Are we overcome with worry and fear? Let's hear the words of Christ and allow him to help us recognize the root of that fear. But more importantly, let him help us realize the solution, the way out to live a life of peace. Here's our main point from our text today. Peace is found in the kingdom of God when God's people trust. When we trust in him, when we trust in his gracious provision. Now, I feel the need to offer a disclaimer this morning as we deal with this very sensitive topic. As I teach from this passage today, as I talk about anxiety, because that's what Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount, I want to say clearly that I am not speaking as a counselor or a therapist. I'm just simply trying to speak what God's word has spoken on this subject, specifically as it relates to anxiety that arrives in our life because of our lack of trust in the Lord. I'm not speaking exhaustively on the subject of anxiety and acknowledge that there may be biological or medical issues, certainly the experience of trauma in your past that may complicate this subject. And we wanna be sensitive to that. But I also wanna say that for the vast majority of us, the anxiety and the fear that, that we experience in our life has largely more to do with our spiritual condition than anything else. And that is what we are aiming to address today directly from the words of Christ. So certainly we recognize in a broken and fallen world, there are complicating factors here. And we wanna, again, be sensitive to that. But, but also don't let that dismiss our own responsibility to take inventory and the help with the help of the Holy Spirit to see what we must own to walk forward and building a life upon the foundation of Christ. And let me just say, if at the end of our time together today, you think and you believe that there's something that you've experienced 
are present within your life that you need help navigating to live a life of victory and to walk out of, of worry and anxiety into peace, we are here to help. And we wanna walk alongside you or direct you to someone who can walk alongside you to deal with those things and walk in the abundant life that Christ has for you. With that in mind, let's turn to Matthew chapter six, verses 25 to 34, and then we're gonna jump down to chapter seven, verses seven to 11. Here's what the word of God says. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat or, or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? In the kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus has come to, to usher in, citizens should be characterized by supernatural peace because they supernaturally trust in the provision and goodness of their God. Worry, anxiety, those things are out of place in the kingdom of God because they are a poor testimony to the goodness of God. Think about why. Anxiety can be defined as an overwhelming sense of fear or a, a preoccupation with the unknown. And the people of God should not be controlled by fear. We should not be overwhelmed by what we don't know because of who we do know. Let's look this morning from Christ's own teaching at three causes of anxiety, three ways that, that worry can work its way into our foundation and cause our spiritual house to become unstable. Firstly, the first cause of anxiety, according to Jesus, we become anxious when we delight in the wrong things. Anxiety is the result of misplaced worship. 
misplaced delight. Notice Jesus begins our passage in verse 25 with the word, therefore. And you careful Bible readers, you excellent Bible students know that therefore is always therefore a reason. And so as Jesus is teaching about anxiety, he's connecting it to what he's just said. What he's talked about in verses 19 to 24 as he calls his disciples to not lay up treasures for themselves on the earth, but rather treasures in heaven. Because if you lay up treasures for yourself on the earth, know that moth and rust will destroy them. That thieves have the potential to come in and and steal them. Why would you put your trust, why would you put your delight in things that can be taken in a moment? Rather, store up for yourself treasures and eternal things. Delight in eternal things and recognize you cannot do both. You can't delight in the things of the earth and also delight in the things of heaven. They are at odds. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You will hate the one and love the other. So which one will you choose? Jesus tells us that when we store up for ourselves treasures on the earth, that can lead to anxiety. If we delight ultimately in the things of this world rather than seeing them as gifts from God to to point us to him and cause us to delight in him, we will become anxious. We will worry because we will try to collect more and more and more and we will try to hold on to more and more and more even though we know even though there's this this stirring within us that's telling us that they will not satisfy. Friends, life is more than food. Life is more than possessions. And we need to recognize what the more is. We need to recognize what the purpose of creation is to get us to the place where satisfaction is ultimately found. Hear me this morning. Everything you own will diminish. Everything you see will fade. This world is passing away. Which means there's nothing in this world that is worth our delight. They weren't created to satisfy us. Rather, they were created to point us to the place where satisfaction is ultimately found in God himself. And the more you try to make the things of this world satisfy, the more you will find yourself empty and your appetite screaming, causing you to worry. Their limits, the limits of the things of this world will always be revealed. You can store up for yourselves possessions and a flood could come tomorrow. You could store up for yourselves possessions and a crazy man could start bombing your city. You could store up for yourselves possessions and a stock market adjustment could wipe out your bank account. Let's not delight in the wrong things. Let's not delight in temporary things. Let's not delight in fading things. Friends, let's delight in eternal things. Let's delight in in God. That's one way anxiety can creep its way into your life. Secondly, 
We can become anxious when we seek to control what is out of our control, according to Jesus. I'm struck by the statement that he makes in verse 34. He says, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying here to us, you need to take each day a day at a time. You got enough to worry about today. You got enough to be concerned about today. Why would you think about tomorrow and the day after that and try to pile those concerns on today? You can't sustain yourself that way because you weren't designed to carry that weight. You're not able to deal with all of that. So why are you trying? One of my, my favorite passages in all of scripture is found in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 to 24. And the writer writes this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Years ago, I was reading a devotional written by one of my favorite pastors in America. His name is John Piper. And he related the writing in Lamentations to the writing in Matthew chapter 6 about anxiety. And he says the reason why we don't need to compound worry day after day on each other is because the Lord's mercies are new every morning. That he gives you what you need for that day. So that tomorrow you come to him again and he will give you what you need for the next day. He's the one who holds the earth. He's the one who holds our life. We need to rest in him. Now the call is not to neglect tomorrow. Of course we need to plan. Of course we can dream. The call is to trust the one who holds tomorrow and who holds us. You can't control what comes, but you can rest in the one who is in control. And just for the record, it's not you. And finally, we become anxious when we doubt and the provision of God. This is probably the major theme of our passage. Anxiety and worry ultimately reveal a lack of trust or a misplaced trust. It causes us to ask whether or not we truly trust in God. And this is a challenge to both those who have a lot and those who have a little. Now, Christ obviously is primarily teaching to poor people in our passage, those who had little compared to our standards today. But his teaching also strikes at the heart of those who have much. Do we trust God to provide or ourselves? If you have a little, you may fear God won't provide what you need. If you have a lot, you may not think you need him. Both are significant issues for those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of God. And Jesus challenges us to trust with an appeal to creation. He says, look at the birds. Verse 26, they're fed. They don't store up for themselves seed or grain, but every day they fly around and they find food. Look at the lilies of the grass, or look, look at the lilies or the grass in the field. They're clothed, according, according to verses 27 to 30. And if God 
would do that for flowers and birds, don't you think he would do that for us? What he does for the lesser, he will do all the more for the greater because he is good. And that's where Jesus challenges us in chapter seven, verses seven to 11. If you ask him within his will, if you ask him according to his promises, do you think that he would deny you? Because he is a good father who delights and his children coming to him and, and asking him, as we saw last week, he won't give you a stone when you ask for bread. He won't give you a snake when you ask for fish. I mean, what kind of dad is that? Dad, I need some fish. Here's a snake. No, our father is good. Friends, we need to recognize our tendency toward anxiety. And recognize there's no place for that in the life of the believer. Rather, we must be a people defined by peace. Jesus says, rather than be overwhelmed by worry, rather than fall victim to anxiety, seek first the kingdom of God. You can seek a lot of things in this life. You can, you can give your life to seeking all kinds of delights in this life. But if you want to find peace, you seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. And remember, God knows that you need it even before you ask. Peace in the kingdom of God is found when we desire rightly, when we rest fully, and when we trust completely. And honestly, friends, if we give our lives to anxiety, if we give our lives to worry, what benefit is it? Verse 27, when Jesus says, how many of you could even add a single hour to your life by worrying? Why are you trying to control what is out of your control? Why are you delighting in things that will never satisfy you? Why are you not trusting in the creator God who is sovereign over all things and who is good? Desire rightly, rest fully, trust completely, and find peace. Now, how can we respond to Christ's teaching here about anxiety and worry? Uh, how can we respond in Christ's call to live in peace and trust, building our lives upon the rock? Because everywhere we look, I think you can agree with this, rain is falling, floods are rising, and wind is blowing. And my guess is some of you here in this room feel your house shaking. I know I have in my life. In fact, this this sermon probably could be preached to me. If, if Jared were sitting in a pew in 2020, I would need to hear this sermon because at the end of 2020, I was pretty frazzled. At the end of 2020, I was pretty anxious because 2020 was a hard year. Can we just agree with that? I mean, in 2021, wasn't much better. But 2020 was very difficult. And I remember being at the end of 2020, kind of at my end. I had struggled through that year trying to make decisions, seemingly every day important consequential decisions about our church, what we were gonna do about COVID, if we were gonna meet or not, were we gonna wear masks? 
often trying to make decisions between two not very good options, and also hearing from a lot of people who disagreed with the decisions that we were making. It was hard, not to mention the political climate of 2020, not to mention the racial issues that we were dealing with as a nation, 2020 was really tough. And at the end of that year, I remember being at the end of myself because I was trying to hold our church together in my own strength. And I didn't think I was doing a very good job of it because I can't do that. I'm, I'm not the one responsible for building and holding the church up. And yet I was trying to wear that responsibility even though it wasn't mine to wear and I was coming to the end of myself. And the Lord used that time to refine me and still refine me to this day by teaching me some things about anxiety and worry and about who I was ultimately trusting in. And so I hope that some of the things that I've learned from Christ's teaching here, from some of the things that are evident from Christ's own teaching will be helpful for you as well as we seek as a people to try to come out of a life of anxiety and worry into a life of peace. And I know that I'm not the only one who struggled in the past two or three years with anxiety and worry. The statistics bear it out. It's something that the people of God have struggled with significantly over the past few years. So with that in mind, let me just remind you of some, some gospel truths for a moment that we must build our life upon in order to walk forward in peace and not in anxiety. Here are two central tenets of the gospel. Number one, we cannot save ourselves. And number two, we cannot sustain ourselves. One, two of the core foundational principles about what we believe as followers of Jesus, as Christians is, you cannot save yourself, you cannot sustain yourself. I don't care what you do or how much you try to please God in your own strength, how, how much you try to work off that gap that exists between you and God, you cannot accomplish salvation in your own strength. It's impossible. You cannot be good enough. You cannot merit enough of God's favor. You need God to show you grace and mercy. And here's how he did it. He looked upon us with love. He looked upon us with kindness. And he sent his son to take on the punishment that we deserved so that we could be set free from it and reconciled to our holy God and Father. What we could not do, God did for us through the Son, Christ. So that now all of us who step into Christ through repentance and belief can find the salvation that we need and long for. More than that, though, the gospel also teaches us that on the other side of salvation, God sustains us in his grace. As we have received the gospel as we have received Christ, so now we are called to walk in him. As, as people, as, as a redeemed people, we are in need of God to save us and daily we are in need of him to sustain us. And the sooner we learn that lesson, the sooner we come to the end of ourselves and recognize our continual dependence upon God, the healthier and more peace-filled we will be. We need to build our lives upon those truths. So let me give you some practical help and how we build our life 
on the core tenets of the gospel that he saves and he sustains. Firstly, how can we respond and be a people of peace? Set your heart on heavenly things. Every day, because his mercies are new every morning, every day when you wake up, you have a decision to make. Am I gonna be concerned with the things of this world? Am I gonna be overly concerned where I'm dwelling upon them in a worshipful kind of way? Or am I gonna delight? Am I gonna set my mind? Am I gonna set my heart on the things of God? And let that define how I deal with the things of this world. Let's commit in our heart to desire what God desires and also recognize the difference between what we need and what we want. God's promised to give us what we need, but that may be different than what we want. And often, it's when we try to get what we want, not what we need, that we put ourselves in a position to be anxious. So I look around North Raleigh. I look at all the people that I went to high school with, and I see the cars that they drive. I see the houses that they own. I see the clothes that they wear. And I think, I need to have that. I, I'm missing something in my life. If I don't have that kind of car, if I don't have that kind of house, if I don't get to wear those kind of clothes, I'm not gonna be satisfied. And so we buy more house than we need. We buy a, a nicer car than we need. We stretch ourselves financially and we wonder why we're already always stressed out about money. Or I'm constantly comparing myself to other people and, and fearing what they will think about me. So I, I work two to three hours in the morning trying to get ready for church, picking out the exact right clothes, putting on the makeup, making sure every hair is in place, only to get out when it's raining and the wind blowing and undo everything that I just did for two or three hours because I'm nervous that someone may say something about me. Or I need their approval in order to feel good about myself. Friends, can we just reject that kind of thinking and see it for the vapor that it is? What if we were just, what if we were only concerned about what God thinks? And can I tell you what he thinks? If you are in Christ, you are accepted and you are approved. I've said it over and over again. We're gonna say it probably over and over again even more as we move through the gospel of Matthew. If you are in Christ, you are accepted and you are approved. And his opinion is the only one that matters. Think about this. I'm gonna say it, and we've said it, I want you to let it sit in your heart. The favor that God has for the son, the moment you stepped into Christ through repentance and belief, he extends to you. And if you have his acceptance and his approval, what else do you need? You rest in that. Rest in that. And can I, can I give you a little helpful tip too? If you are finding yourself being consumed with earthly, earthly things, get off your phone. Get off social media. Turn off the TV. Go out into creation, get into the word, and let him reset your heart and your mind. Be still and know that he is God. Sometimes I think we're so anxious because we know more than we can handle. We are not omniscient, friends. We're not. 
Don't be overly burdened with too much information. You set your heart, you set your mind on heavenly things. Secondly, recognize the fleeting nature of this life. This is tied to to Christ's teaching about storing up treasures in heaven. Often anxiety comes by trying to make perfect or keep perfect what is essentially imperfect. By trying to keep from changing that which you just got when it is fading by design. I'm gonna do a little more confession this morning. Can I do that? Here's where anxiety shows up in my life. We just moved into a house recently. We had a lot of work done to the house and it was beautiful. I was so excited about it and I wanted to keep it just like it was when the contractor left. Because somehow I felt like the state of my home was a reflection of me. And so I was like, I really want the paint to stay the same. I want the, the, the floors to not be scratched. But then I introduced two children and dogs. And in a moment, I mean, literally, the day we moved in, our dog destroyed our back door. Back door. And I felt the anxiety of that because I wanted to keep it perfect. But I know it was never perfect. And I know that it's fading and passing away. The same thing happens to me with cars. Like I'm the guy who will park at the back of the parking lot away from people because I don't want there to be any dings, any scratches. I want it to be taken care of. And I get anxious about it. And my wife's up here nodding her head. I even like sit by a window to look out to make sure nobody parked beside me. I'm 100% serious. I'm not joking. Because I want to see who parked next to my car. And if I find something, I'm writing down their license plate number, right? Because I want to hold on to it. And how silly is that? How silly is that when everything we own is fleeting? This world is passing away. I want you to hear me this morning. You cannot keep things from changing. You cannot keep things from fading because they are changing and fading. They are passing away by design. Your house will age. Your car will age. Your church will change. A government will change. They will all change. They will all diminish. Your bodies will fade and change. Can I get an amen? Amen. Your life is fleeting. This earthly life is a vapor. It is passing away. And all of that is by God's design to help you make sure you're not setting your hope on the wrong things to make sure that you are longing for eternal things, for God things. Because friends, he is creating, he will create a new heaven and a new earth joined together by a new Jerusalem and we will will be with him forever. But this place is not that. Don't try to hold on to what is by design fleeting. Everything we have is meant to fade in order to keep our hearts on the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not responsible. Doesn't mean you don't clean your house. Doesn't mean you don't touch up things here and there. But you just recognize whatever you do is gonna be undone. Thirdly, trust. Trust in the goodness of your heavenly Father. Let's go back to our teaching last week on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer. God is our what? Our Father who is in heaven. 
And he chose the name father on purpose, as you may remember. Remember, God designed fatherhood to be a teaching tool about who he is. Fathers are a reflection of who God is. And God loves to be our father. He loves to provide for us as his children, and he has provided both for our physical and ultimately our spiritual needs in Christ. He's provided for here and hereafter. Do you trust his provision? Do you trust that what he offers is good enough? Listen, God has provided for salvation in Christ. He's provided for our needs. And one of the ways he's provided for your needs is this body. So that when you do have a moment where you're not sure where your meal's gonna come from or your, your rent's gonna be paid, you come to us. And as a, a brother or sister in Christ, as a member of this church, we come alongside you to help you. If you need counseling or if you need someone to walk alongside you, it's our joy to bear each other's burdens. That's part of the way that God has provided. And remember, when you do have legitimate need, when you do have a need that's within the alignment or within alignment with God's promises and will, all you need to do is ask. Sometimes I think we begin to doubt God because we ask for things outside of his promises, outside of his will. And we wonder why he doesn't give us what we ask for. God, I'm claiming a Lamborghini in Jesus' name. And God says, I don't remember anything in the Bible about thou shalt have a Lamborghini. He doesn't even promise health. He doesn't even promise wealth. He promises he'll be with us. So what are we asking? Do we know his word enough to pray within his word and his will? And if we ask and seek those things, I think we'll find that we will be satisfied. Finally, in those moments when fear begins to envelop you, when the anxieties build up, cast your anxieties on him. What we cannot handle, God is more than capable of handling. What we cannot deal with, I promise you, God can deal with. Can I give you two, two passages of scripture that have been really helpful for me over the past couple of years? The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're gonna look at verses three through six. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And remember, this battle of fear over faith or turning to faith rather than fear, this battle of peace versus anxiety and worry, it's a spiritual battle, friends. The enemy wants us to be captivated by fear. The enemy wants us to be captivated by, by worry. And we're wrestling with powers and principalities, not just flesh and blood. This is a spiritual thing that we're talking about today. Remember that we walk in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take, listen, every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Do you know that in the power of the Spirit, you have the ability to take your thoughts captive? When the enemy starts to try to sow fear or doubt or worry 
if we're walking with the Lord, if we're walking in maturity, we have the ability to say, okay, God, I know that's not of you. I know that's not of you. So why am I even entertaining that thought? Why am I delighting in the wrong thing here? Why am I trying to control what I can't control? Why am I not trusting you? Would you, would you help me see where there's a crack in my foundation? Because I see that ball rolling from the back of the house to the front. Something's not right here. Would you help me? And then would you help me also replace that lie with the truth? That's what Paul is, is talking about here. Take that thought captive for the glory of God. And also, Philippians chapter 4. Verses four to seven, I have lived in these verses. Here's what Paul writes at the end of the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. Again, I will say, because it's that important, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen to this. When you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's an incredible promise. When you are worried, when you're fearful, when you're anxious, when something's creeping into your life, Rejoice in the gospel. Pray. Bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving in your heart. Request it and then trust. And when you do that, the peace of God, not anxiety, the peace of God will fill your life and it will guard. It will guard your heart. It will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. That you won't be stalled. You won't be held captive, but you'll walk forward in peace. Friends, it is possible to live in peace, to not live in fear or anxiety. Let's ask God's help to be a trusting people filled with peace for his glory. Let me remind you, if you think, Jared, there's other stuff in my life that's complicating my response here, and I think I need help, because of a traumatic experience, some biological issue, whatever it may be, know that we wanna help you as well. Come talk to us. We'll, we'll find someone, we'll ourselves walk alongside you. We want you to be able to walk in freedom. For the majority of us though, for the majority of us, there's enough here and the teaching of Christ as it specifically engages this one avenue of anxiety, this, this one element of anxiety for us to walk forward in peace. So let's let the word of God do its work and help us walk forward in victory. And remember, that only happens if you are in Christ. If you're not inside of Christ, there's much to fear. There's much to be worried about. Because what's coming is far worse than anything that we've experienced on this earth. So step into Christ today and find peace with God and peace among men. Find peace in your heart that can only be found in Jesus through repentance and belief. If you are in Christ, how's your foundation? 
the cracks? Would you let the word of God fill those cracks today and help you walk forward in victory? Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Spend some time asking the Lord to help you know how to respond. How's your life? Are you in Christ? If not, would you repent and believe in Jesus today? We'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We'd love to speak with you more about Christ and the work God has done through him for us. If you're in Christ, are you desiring rightly? Are you resting fully? Are you trusting completely? Is there anxiety or worry in your life? Can you ask the Spirit to help you know why it's there? Is it that you've been desiring the wrong things and you need to set your heart on heavenly things? Are you trying to control what you can't control and you need to recognize the fleeting nature of this life? Are you doubting the goodness of God? And you need to trust in him today? Whatever it is, would you cast your anxieties on him? Take those thoughts captive in the spirit. Turn to him in prayer and ask him to let the peace of God guard your heart and guard your mind. Father, would you help us? to know how to respond today as your people. Help us to build our lives in the gospel that you save us and you sustain us. And may we be characterized by a supernatural peace because we believe those things and live out those things. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.